Thank you for reminding me of that. So yes, that is a term we have gotten so used to. And I think today I was hoping that I wouldn't have to worry about being muted, but praise God for people reminding you. And again, welcome for those of you guys at the church, for those of you guys online on Zoom, for you that are watching on YouTube, we're glad that you can join us today. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, for those of you guys uh, that heard through Zoom, because of being exposed to someone with COVID, neither of our pastors uh, at our church today, neither ministry will be able to be joining those who are in person at church. And so both ministries are going to be doing uh, the preaching portion of the service online today. And today marks something special. Today is the start of phase two. So it's the first time that we are officially able to have congreg uh, congregation members attending service in person. And it is a reopening. And simply by the words that I'm going to be using today, there's a uh, an expression of beginning, whether it's the beginning of phase two or it's beginning to have people in person at the church. It is the start of services and with services remaining online, happening in person, happening on YouTube, having new starting times and new processes. I think it's safe to say that things are different. For those of you guys that are at the church today, it probably looks nothing like it ever has before because it's something new. It's something different. And I truly believe in my heart that is because God is doing something new. And in many ways, Peninsula Hope Church is being reborn. And just like a newborn baby or anything being born, maybe it's a start of a business or, or a start of a new season for a football team, a new season at school, a new semester, we need to make sure that our expectations, our perspective, and our hopes are all God-centered. Because if they aren't, we may go through more stress, struggle, and strain than we need to. And what's so incredible is that this is not a new concept. We see the same thing happening in the New Testament, when we read in Zechariah, when we look at different uh, uh, of the minor and major prophets, we see different concepts like this. And in Zechariah, we see the same things happening when the temple was being rebuilt. And so for those of you guys that have your Bibles or your phones, if you want to turn with me to Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1 through 10, and today I'll be reading this portion in the New Living Translation, the NLT, and it says, Then the angel who had been talking with me returned and woke me as though I had been asleep. What do you see now? he asked. And I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl of oil on top of it. Around the bowl are seven lamps, each having seven spouts with wicks. And I see two olive trees one on each side of the bowl. Then I asked the angel, what are these, my Lord? What do they mean? Do you not know, the angel asked. No, uh, no, my Lord, I replied. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. 
And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it. May God bless it. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Now, let me give you some background of what's happening here. The Jewish exiles to Babylon, they had already returned to Jerusalem, and under the leadership, the governorship of Zerubbabel, the work had already begun taking place in rebuilding the temple. However, there were a variety of challenges that the rebuilding process was facing, and this was affecting people's attitudes. So God sent a message through Zechariah the prophet, and in chapter 4, Zechariah is given one of his several visions, and in it he gave Zerubbabel several reminders as he was dealing with a population that was disappointed, discouraged, and pessimistic. At the time of Zerubbabel's prophetic ministry, progress on rebuilding the temple, it wasn't moving as fast as some people wanted, and at times it was actually halted. And for some individuals, it was really hard to deal with the reality that this temple, the second temple being rebuilt, it wasn't as glorious, it wasn't as big as the first temple. And so it was hard for these individuals to get excited because they couldn't see the future. All they could do was remember the past. I mentioned this earlier today in my prayer time that churches around the world and here at home, Peninsula Hope, we are going through similar situations as Arubable was dealing with in the Old Testament. Churches are being rebuilt and and being reborn because of the pandemic. And this has been difficult for so many Christians, and they felt or have similar feelings to those Babylonian exiles. We see that people are disappointed, they're discouraged, and then they're being pessimistic. And as I mentioned several weeks ago, that in the U.S., one-third of individuals that would say they are Christians, those attending at least once a month, they are no longer attending churches in person or online which means we don't even know the state of their faith. Churches around the world, they've lost members. In some cases, up to 50% of members of churches have left for a variety of reasons, but this is something that we haven't seen before. It's something unique to the pandemic and what is going on because people are dissatisfied. There's disagreement in churches and there's dissension. So as we embark on this new season, again, I truly believe it is a new season, a new new beginning at Peninsula Hope Church. I want to, right from the jump, right from the very start of being able to worship together, to give you the reminders that God gave Zerubbabel through the prophet Zechariah. Because if we get caught up in what we see or don't see, or how fast or not fast things are taking place, or what has changed or hasn't changed, we will be falling into the hands of the enemy and his lies. And this is something that Emily talked about last week. Satan is a liar, and he wants to discourage you. 
And he wants to tell you all these negative things that aren't true. And if you aren't focused on God, you may just believe that the lies that, are, that Satan is telling you are true. So let's take a look at these prophetic words of Zechariah and these incredible reminders that God gave Zerubbabel and the former exiles. And the first thing that God reminds Zerubbabel about through Zechariah is who is really in charge. In this case, who was the one that was really doing the rebuilding? Zechariah 4, 6, again, the NLT, it says, Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force, nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's army. God is reminding Zerubbabel that the temple will not be rebuilt through human effort. Only the Holy Spirit is, and him empowering and leading people will rebuild the temple. And although it seems like we are the ones that make things happen in our lives, it's important that we remember that God is in sovereign control of everything. And there's two parts or two aspects of this. And the first one is to understand that everything, I mean, our ability to get up in the morning, the, the ability to breathe, the ability to walk and go to the bathroom to make yourself breakfast in the morning, it is because God allows it. God controls everything. Deuteronomy 8 verses 17 through 19 in the NIV. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors, as it is today. So even your ability to make money, your ability to work, is because God allows you to. He is in control of everything. The other aspect to this of God's sovereignty, of him, him, him being in control, and I was talking to one of your uh, church members, one of our church members, our brothers and sisters about this the other day, is the reality that apart from God, we can do nothing of value to the kingdom. Right. So you could be doing some things on your own, but it's worthless to God if he's not the one ordaining it, if he is not the one through his Holy Spirit inspiring it. We make no difference apart from God. John 15, 5, the NIV. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, obviously, God used people to rebuild the temple. He didn't just magically make all the stones and everything come together. He used people. But to combat all the challenges that would face the rebuilders of the temple, things that they had no idea were gonna, that were going to happen, God empowered them through the Holy Spirit. 
And he used those people to rebuild the temple. So it's people that are inspired by God through the Holy Spirit, not people who leaned on their own understanding and effort. It's so easy to get deceived by our flesh or Satan, our enemy, that our abilities, that our experience and knowledge, our finances and our excess will make the difference in the kingdom of God. But that's not true. It's only through the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit that any of those aspects of our lives can make an eternal difference. That's why we need God. 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19, again from the NIV. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Several weeks ago, we talked about how the riches we have are rewards, their eternal war, salvation in heaven. And it's so hard for us to think about those things. But here is another scripture that's telling us earthly wealth doesn't make a difference. It's eternity in heaven with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18 through, 10, uh, 18 through 20. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? So again, our abilities apart from God are meaningless. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us, to help us to use the gifts that we have, the worldly gifts. We need God through spiritual gifts to help us. So that's the first reminder, who is truly in control? Who is the one that is rebuilding the temple? Who is the one that is rebuilding the new Peninsula Hope Church? It's God. It's not our abilities. We have to be obedient. Several months ago, I talked about we have to have a desire to share the gospel message. That's our responsibility in growing a church. We need to love others and share the gospel truth with them. And we need to serve. But it's God that makes the church grow, both spiritually and numerically, we just need to be obedient to what he is calling us to do. Now, the second reminder is that ultimately nothing can get in the way of God's will. Zechariah 4, verse 7, going back to the NLT, nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people shout, may God bless it. 
May God bless it. When God wants something to happen, his will, ultimately, there is nothing that will get in the way of it. Isaiah 14, verses 24 through 27 in the NIV. The Lord Almighty has sworn, surely as I have planned, so it will be. And as I have purposed, so it will happen. I will crush the Assyrian in my in my land, uh, yeah, Assyrian in my land. On my mountains, I will trample him down. His yoke will be taken from my people and his burden removed from their shoulders. This is the plan determined from the whole world, for the whole world. This is a hand stretched out over the nations. For the Lord Almighty has purposed and who can thwart him? His hand is stretched out. Who can turn it back? When God wants something to happen, it will. It's just a question of if we are going to get in the way. Now, this is such an important reminder because as we learned in our series about the Beatitudes, the more we seek righteousness, in other words, the closer we get to God, the more we desire him, the more opposition and persecution we will face. I know that's not exciting. I know that doesn't feel good, but it's a reality that the closer we get to God, the more challenges we'll have. But praise God, he is there with us. And sometimes the mountains you're going to face in your life, sometimes those roadblocks that want to get in the way, they're going to be health issues. Sometimes they're going to be financial challenges. Sometimes we can be the mountain that gets in the way of God's will. But often, like Zerubbabel's case, the mountains that try to get in the way of God's will and his plans, there are other people. And sadly, at times, it's other Christians. And so remembering that God's will prevails no matter what, it's an incredible reminder. When you're surrounded by negative and discouraging people, when things are maybe moving a little too fast for you and you can't keep up, or maybe they're moving a little too slow and you want them to move faster, it's an incredible reminder when you feel like giving up. I'm sure all of us have had those moments when we're, we're doing something, we believe it's for God, and we just don't see him working the way we want him to. We feel like giving up. Or maybe when we don't have a solution, we just don't know how to solve a problem. We're like, well, forget it then. But we have to take this reminder that God's will prevails as a reminder not to give up to continue pressing on despite what we hear, what we see, and what we think. But understanding that God is in control and that his will prevails, it's only part of the reminder that Zerubbabel gives or that Zerubbabel receives through the prophet Zechariah. Zerubbabel also needed to understand, as we do, that God's ways are not our ways. Isaiah 55 verses 8 through 9 in the NASB, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
God looks at things differently. And that's because he knows exactly how things will end up. He knows the challenges and he knows the solution. And that's something that God reminds Zerubbabel. And so as we continue in this passage, kind of the ending reminder that God gives Zerubbabel, the one he wants him to really think about is do not despise small beginnings. Zechariah 4.10, going back to the New Living Translation, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hands. It's easy to get discouraged, disillusioned, or disappointed when we don't see the results we want. The key word there was that we want. When what we want doesn't happen, it's easy to get discouraged. But as I mentioned earlier, God doesn't do things the way we do. He sees things differently, and he knows that there is value in small beginnings. Because small beginnings, they can help to prepare us. Maybe there's things that we haven't even thought about that God needs us to do. So a small beginning can help you to prepare better. Small beginnings can also protect you. I can't imagine if today... You know, God, you know, is just opening up the floodgates to the church. We would be overwhelmed. We wouldn't be prepared. So he's protecting us. Or maybe you're one of those people that if a non-believer or a very new believer comes up to you and has a question, a theological question about God, you have no idea how to answer. God can protect you from that as well, to give you some time to study more, to understand your faith more, to be able to share it more effectively with others. So small beginnings can protect us. And small beginnings, they can also prevent us. They can prevent us from relying on our own abilities. They can prevent us from making different mistakes. Maybe not having all of our bases covered, whether it's dealing with a situation like we had with the pandemic and us being exposed to COVID. We had a plan. We have an incredible committee that helped us come up with a plan. So how incredible is it that the day we send out the email is the day before both pastors would have to deal with this, but we had a protocol and it prevented us from making a mistake. And I'm so grateful for that. For those of you guys that are, you know, that are business owners, I'm sure when you first started, there was a small beginning. And a small beginning might not be a numerical thing. It could just be that God is allowing you to be able to deal with what you can handle. He's not going to overwhelm you. Luke 16, verses 10 through 12, the NIV. It says this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? 
And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? This concept, it's not just about money. It's can God trust you with even the small things? If someone asks you, hey, will you pray for these people once a week? Will you do it? Or do you forget? Do you not prioritize it? Well, if God can't trust you with praying for one or two people on a weekly basis, how can he trust you with a much bigger task? Matthew 25, verse 23 in the NIV. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You see, when we can honor God and we can be faithful with small things, God will bless us with bigger things. There's another value that we see in small beginnings. It reveals your motives and your heart condition. The Israelites who were struggling with the temple rebuilding process, many of them were stuck in the past. As I mentioned, many people were upset because it didn't look as grand. It didn't look as big as the first temple. They were stuck in the past and what it used to be like. So they weren't able to see that God was doing something new. And it's not that they were against God or the rebuilding of the temple. They just lacked the faith to trust God and let him do what he wanted to do. And you see, that's probably the biggest stumbling block for most of us with small beginnings is that we want what we want, or we have an image in our head of what things are supposed to look like. And so it's not that we don't want God to be God, or that we don't want to see incredible things happen to more, to see more people come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's just we lack the faith to step out of ourselves, to not let our will be what controls our minds. So we have to trust and rely on God and the Holy Spirit. And this, that verse that talks about not forsaking small beginnings, it says that God rejoices in seeing the work begin. And this is because God wants to see, are you here to serve him or to serve man? In other words, are you part of a church to serve God or for some, some mankind reasons? God also wants to see, are you doing everything for him or for someone or something else? Is there some other reason that you're at church? Is there some other reason that you're serving other than God? And I think another reason why God rejoices, why he finds this incredible joy, it warms God's heart to see the work begin, is because God wants to see if we have the faith and trust in him to begin doing the work of ministry, despite not having all the details or knowing how things will end up. God wants to see his, his people's heart condition. Let me end with leaving you with some, some thoughts to think about. Are you forsaking small beginnings? 
for those of you that are on Zoom, did you say, wow, you know, ever since the church has been able to have worship, you know, there's been fewer boxes. And, and did you say, wow, you know, we're, we're kind of disappointed. Or were you able to say, well, that's so awesome. There's fewer people on Zoom because now those people are at church. And then for those of you guys that have been at church for the last four weeks or for those of you guys in person today, yeah, you may look out and there may be one or two people sitting there. They may be 10 people. I know Emily and I aren't there, so that's two less people. But were you like, wow, this is so sad? Or were you saying, praise Jesus that we have a few more people that we get to play for? Ultimately, we're playing for God, but we get to bless these people here too. We have to have the right heart condition, church. We have to have the right hopes, the right perspectives. Because if God wills it, the church will grow. It could grow exponentially, instantly if he wills it, spiritually and numerically. But here's the thing. Maybe God is doing things slower and smaller intentionally. Maybe God wants to make sure that we are committed to putting him first above all things. That we are completely reliant on God. That we don't make decisions without praying. That we don't rely on our own understanding and our abilities. That we don't think that, hey, if we just do this hard enough, it will change everything. That we don't do that. That we rely on God and ask God to help us to reveal what he wants us to do. And then we're faithful to do it. Perhaps God wants to make sure that we are allowing him through his Holy Spirit to build his church. I want to encourage you today to not forsake small beginnings. Do not be the mountain in the way of God's will. Don't let negative and discouraging thoughts enter your, your mind. Instead, commit everything that you are doing, whether it is serving on the worship team, serving as a greeter, or any other ministry within the church, or even passionately sitting online or in person just listening and learning about the word. Any of those things, do it all for the glory of God and see what God will do in your life in the life of the church. Let God rejoice in what you are doing. Amen. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord, thank you for this reminder, Lord. Today didn't happen the way that I thought it would, but Lord, that's because those are my thoughts. Lord, and my thoughts aren't your thoughts. Lord, you, you are greater, more amazing, Lord, than I can even fathom, Lord. Lord, help us to be a people that are chasing after you. Lord, like the, the person dealing with thirst in the desert or, or dealing with starvation, just, just chasing after righteousness the way they chase after water and food. Help us to be a church that does that, Lord. Help us be a church that puts you number one above everything. Help us, Lord, to be a church that doesn't forsake small beginnings in any aspect of our lives because you are in control. 
you are in charge. Lord, I pray for those today that are joining us online, on YouTube, or if there's people that we haven't seen before that are hearing this message, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would burden their hearts, that they would give their lives to you to realize that without you, this life is meaningless. It's your plans and purposes that will not only prevail, but they're the things that transform our lives. Lord, I pray for my brother, Pastor Toshi, and the message she's bringing our Nichigo ministry. And I pray the same. We're a united church, and, and we're all people, and the flesh can get in the way. So I pray for our entire church that we would be focused on you in this new season. Help us to be aware of spiritual attack when it happens, and help us to fight back with your word. Lord Jesus, we love you. We serve you. Have your way, Holy Spirit, in our lives and in the life of the church. We pray this in your name. Amen.